and welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, we are continuing our study in uh, an OCD and uh, plan on continuing a biblical response in the episode today. And I want to begin just by rehearsing uh, what we talked about last time. We said that the person with OCD, and, and um, let me back up here a little bit uh, as a reminder, I'm, I'm using the phrase with OCD, um, and yet I'm not meaning that in the same way that the secular psychologists are, are meaning it, um, not uh, embracing the disease model in that, but simply just acknowledging that's kind of the language that's used today. And most people understand what that means. So um, the person, quote-unquote, with OCD, uh, we said has a need for certainty. And uh, what they need to recognize and should recognize is that only God is certain of all things, and thus they can rest in him. And one of the foremost passages was Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine: the secret things belong to the Lord our God. And so the OCD person tries to get a hold of the secret things that are known only to God, and then they get frustrated when they cannot attain uh, or grasp those things. And then couple that issue with another issue, and that is that they will struggle with the need for control. Uh, And that's what I'd like to discuss today. I do want to say that I've been helped by some material written by Michael uh, Emlett on this topic, and he identified four key areas where we can apply the Bible to this person. And this is one of those four areas that is the demand for control. And the DSM-5 does hint at this too um, when it defines obsessive-compulsive personality disorder as wanting to have rigid control. And so again, uh, as I mentioned last week, some value in uh, what secularists have written in that we can identify areas um, where we can then take uh, and apply the Bible to those areas. So the way that, when this, when this is going on in the OCD individual, the way that they gain this kind of control that they're looking for is through the compulsion part. So the obsession is the fear of germs or whatever, And the compulsion is the trying to regain control by washing the hands. Um, And so they desperately try to get control of the situation. The problem with this is that you only have, at best, the illusion of control, the behaviors that are engaged in so that you can get control. They never fully satisfy. They might for a moment but then the fear comes just right back. So the pattern is something that's not unlike Jeremiah's diagnosis of God's people in Jeremiah 2.13, where he says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so for the person with OCD, their desire for control ends up being a broken cistern that can hold no water. It only satisfies for a fraction of a second before that fear comes right back. So the frustrating part is that the peace is never secure. 
So, uh, for example, if the issue is religious OCD and you have a bad thought that pops into your head, you might want to fight that by saying a certain prayer in a certain way using specific words. And that ritual, that kind of self-atonement, will probably bring you peace temporarily, but it doesn't satisfy in the long run. And it's this cycle of uh, it brings me peace, but then I get uh, you know, bothered again. And so ultimately, all of your vain attempts to control life and order your life are ultimately a delusion. Jesus himself even says in Matthew 5, 36, he says, talking in the context of, of taking an oath, he says, do not take an oath by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black. Uh, you, you can't even do that. You can't even change uh, the, the color of the hair on your head. And so this is, this is the recognition, the biblical recognition, that I don't have ultimate control. I can't get that ultimate control that I'm, that I'm looking for. The answer for the person with OCD from a biblical perspective is an answer that really cuts against the grain of what society is telling us at large. And so if you're going to get real and lasting help, I I think that only a theological answer is sufficient. The world wants to empower you so that you are the master of your own destiny. And I'm going to suggest to us that this language that the world uses of self-empowerment, self-fulfillment, whatever uh, you want to say, this actually works against... uh, the, the hope that the person has for, um, for getting out of this. Here's, here's how one author puts it. Quote, In the normal secular practice of psychotherapy, counselors teach people to fight against helplessness. They empower people with techniques for dealing with situations, thoughts, or moods. But for Christians, helplessness is actually desirable. It is an essential element in the therapy of trust, because one must feel helpless in order to fully turn to God. OCD sufferers, it seems, are a stubborn bunch. They have a special need to feel in control. God, in his wisdom, makes use of obsessions and compulsions to educate them on their powerlessness. Take heart, OCD sufferers, because your feeling of helplessness is your friend. In light of this remark... And in light of the Bible's repeated themes of trusting in the Lord instead of yourself, I would suggest that secular strategies only add fuel to the fire. Secular strategies, on the whole, typically encourage people with these kinds of statements. You know, you've got this, trust yourself, you're special, you're going through this as a way of showing how strong you are. You know, if, if you weren't, God would have never given this to you if, if you weren't strong enough to bear it on your own. The problem with these kinds of statements is that they only add fuel to the fire. The problem with the OCD person is that they have an obsession with having control. And so when we use these statements in an effort to encourage them, we end up doing more damage. The disconnect is between the statement itself, you know, trust yourself or whatever, 
and what the person experiences. You might tell them that they're in control. You might tell them that they need to do certain things to get on top of the situation uh, or that they've got this, but then they go out and realize that they don't. And so there's a disconnect there. You're setting them up for failure. In light of this, uh, I came across a fascinating article in the Washington Post back in August, and the title of the article is this, Time to Ditch Toxic Positivity, Experts Say. It's okay to not be okay. And I'm going to read to you part of the article. It says this, In the midst of a raging pandemic and widespread social unrest, these days can feel as if reassuring platitudes are inescapable. Everything will be fine. It could be worse. Look on the bright side. But as well-intentioned as those who lean on such phrases may be, experts are cautioning against going overboard with the good vibes only trend. Too much forced positivity is not just unhelpful, they say. It's toxic. End quote. Uh, This is kind of interesting to me because for a long time, Christians have spoken out against the positive thinking model proposed by uh, secularists as well as prosperity gospel preachers. Um, But perhaps maybe the world is starting to see its failure, its shortcomings, and maybe let's hope so. But what does this mean for OCD? Uh, What it means is that we can't offer um, uh, these kinds of little trite sayings, everything's going to be fine, it could be worse, look on the bright side, whatever it might be. What it means for the person with OCD is that we need to direct them to the one who is ultimately in control and let them rest in that, let them rest in him. The world wants us to think that we are the sufficient ones, but in reality, we are the helpless ones. As we saw earlier, we can't even change the color of our own hair. And for how remarkably technologically advanced we are, we still get sick, we still die, businesses fail, relationships fall apart. Any control that you or I think uh, that we have, it's only a mirage. And so instead instead of buying into this delusion, the hope is to point this person, these people, individuals, ourselves, back to our own weaknesses and Christ's strength and his power. And so here are some examples. In Leviticus 14 and Deuteronomy 32, we have examples of God's sovereignty and control over sickness and life and death. Leviticus 14.34. This is a, this is a remarkable statement. Um, it says, When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a case of leprous disease in a house. God is the speaker here, and he is telling Israel that he is the one who is putting cases of leprosy in a house. He's identifying himself as the author of that. Deuteronomy 32.39 says... I, even I am he, and there is no God beside me, I kill and make alive. I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. The Lord is saying that he is in control of whether people get sick 
and he is in control over whether people live or die, and he is in control over whether people are wounded or whether they are healed. And so what this means for the person with OCD is that all of the attempts at hand washing 500 times in a day, whatever it is, showering, all those things are in vain because your feeble attempt to gain mastery over your situation cannot compete with God's sovereignty. So much is God in control that in Psalm 115, we should, we read this, and actually, uh, this is something that should be a theme verse for the person with OCD. Psalm 115, verse 3, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. <laughs> you can't compete with that. You cannot compete with the sovereignty of God. Checking the lock on your front door 32 times before you go to bed is not going to somehow succeed in wrestling God's sovereignty and authority and control away from him. God can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Then in Ephesians 1.11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. All things. The point of all of this, and this is a theological lesson, uh, an intellectual lesson that the OCD person needs to recognize, the point of all of this is that God is in charge, not you. Control is elusive. It is a mirage. It is a delusion. It is a fantasy. It is an illusion. You don't have control over your life. I don't have control over my life. The person with OCD ignores this and doubles down in an effort to get control over life, but only grows more exasperated. When it comes to gaining control in this world, the answer here is to yield instead of fight. As Ecclesiastes says, the wise dies just like the fool. We can't conquer death. We can't conquer our troubles on our own. We need Christ. He is the one in control. How do we deal with our need for control? We look to the one who has ultimate control and we trust in him. We rest in him. He is sufficient. He is enough. He is in control. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.